That was a good one. I think we could just go home now. I have an hour and a half message, though. I've got to preach that, you know. But, wow, what a great message. I, you know, I just appreciate that. You know, uh, sometimes you wonder if you can pray so, don't y'all? Man, we got some crazy stuff going on in our world, and, and uh, you know, we're trying to figure it out, and it doesn't seem to be able to be figured out. And I know that it doesn't matter who you may be here this morning, world we're living in is full of a lot of tribulation and difficulties and problems and I'm glad that uh, we can move on in Jesus name amen there's what the strength of I had one message to give you this morning is hey don't miss the opportunity if you don't you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior man I can't encourage you enough you need God as an anchor and a foundation in your life and so so much so important Eric talked about we're dealing with Revelation in at our 9.30 service all through our classes, our young couples classes, uh, all the adult classes and all are dealing with Revelation. And I, I so encourage you, you and listen, you better get a hold of that. And it's imperative that you uh, take the time and understanding where we are and what is happening. Uh, the world's preparing for something very catastrophic to take place. I mean, we're being set up for this. And so we need to understand what that's going to be and how to prepare for it. And uh, just like uh, Keith and Diane saying, and in Jesus' name, we'll press on. We, I think it's so very important that we understand that uh, we have the answer and the message today, and we need to get that out. People need the message. There's, a, there's so much getting out around our world. All this negative stuff is happening, and, and I'm so thankful that we can come to them and talk to them about the things of the Lord to me, the most amazing truth I can tell you this morning is that God came to earth. We celebrated that a few weeks ago, didn't we? God came to earth. And the reason that happened, because we couldn't go there. and He had to come here. And I'm so grateful and thankful that took place. And uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 19, let me read some scripture to you quite a bit, but let me go ahead and take the time to, to read it to you as well. You know, we're dealing with the second coming of the Lord and uh, I think that uh, the Bible says that we should not be ignorant of these things. It doesn't mean that we're going to have the, that I can, uh, that this morning when you walk out here, I'll give you the exact date and time that Jesus will be back. But I can tell you right now that there's a lot of things happening that help us to understand it's not that very far away. And that being the case, the Bible says we shouldn't be ignorant of these things. And so now we don't have to be panicking. But we don't have to be ignorant about it. Let me give him some scripture here. The Bible says, wait a minute, doesn't say it yet. All right, now it's going to say it. Ooh, there's a Bible there. Here we go. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and them, and that set upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew, but he knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
And I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls and fly in the midst of the heavens, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses, of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that worked miracles before him with which he deceived them that hath received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse which sword proceedeth out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Father, we come to you this morning, and we ask God that you'll help us to understand the importance of what we're saying this, this morning. God, we don't come in a, in a sense of panic, but we do come with an urgency. And God, we pray you'll help us to have clarity in our thought, and, and I realize that the people that are here this morning are the ones that are supposed to be here. God, that you've brought them here in order to hear the message that, that you, you've given us to deliver. And so, God, help us be faithful to that. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said a moment ago, one of the most amazing truths of all time and eternity is that God came down to earth. But the thing I want to talk to you about this morning is that he's coming again. Uh, there's a contrast that I want to share with you for just a few minutes between his first coming and his second coming. Now, his first coming, he came in swaddling clothes. You remember that, don't you? Laid in the manger. But when he comes back the second time, the Bible says that he'll be clothed in a robe dipped in blood. The first coming, he was surrounded by cattle and common people, but the second coming, he'll be accompanied by the armies of heaven. Now, in the first coming, the end was closed. Remember that? But in the second coming, the doors of heaven will be open. In the first coming, his voice was that of a crying baby. But in the second coming, the Bible says he'll be as the sound of many waters. The first coming, he came as the Lamb of God for salvation. But in the second coming, he's coming as a line of the tribe of Judah who comes for judgment. See, over the next week of two, we're going to talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a message that is so important. I realize that we're living in a world of distraction. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of things to distract us today, a lot of things that are happening around the world, and it's amazing. I mean, someone can have a, a hangnail over in England, and we know about it. I mean, we're living in a day that they like to certainly produce all kinds of this news, and sometimes I think they're producing the news, and, and we hear all these kind of things, and it's easy for us to kind of get fretting and stewing. Now, I realize you don't do that, but other people that don't go to this church fret and stew, but you don't. I know that. I know the news doesn't bother you, and I know you probably are aware of the fact that we're in a political time. Isn't that fun? Ah, the truth be told. Where is it? Where is it? Anyway, and if you're not careful, you get to a situation that we so focus on that that we forget the main thing. Why we're here, why God left us here. We're not here by accident. We're here by design. We've got a job to do. And wrapped within that job is the anticipation of Christ coming back. There's 333 prophecies concerning Christ and his return. 109 of them were fulfilled the first time, and 224 would be fulfilled in the second coming. There's 46 Old Testament prophets, and 10 of them speak about the first coming, 
but 36 of them speak about the second coming. I believe it holds some importance. 1,527 Old Testament passages are referring to the second coming. 7,959 verses of the New Testament about the second coming. One out of every 25 talks about the second coming. Why are we not talking about it? I mean, the Word of God is replete with, with illustrations and with Scripture trying to help us understand He is coming back. Outside of faith in the Scripture, the second coming is talked about more than anything else in the Word of God. The prophets foretold the second coming. Zacharias 14.4, and in that day his feet will stand on Mount Olives. The angel announced that if you're coming on Wednesday night, we're studying the book of Acts, verse by verse, you heard this. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? And that's easy to do that. We get, we're, these are gazers or goers. You know, we get so caught up on the truth that we don't realize that the truth is for us to use and to get out. But he said they're gazing up. He makes this statement. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus himself announced that he was coming back. Uh, Matthew says, For as the lightning cometh from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You'll find John talked about it in Revelation 1-7. Behold. He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of his coming. Almost the last scripture in the Bible talks about him coming. Revelation 22:20. 20, he who testified of these things, saying, Surely I come quickly, even so come, Lord Jesus. I don't know about you. There needs to be an anticipation of the Lord's return. I don't anticipate it with a, with a gloomy disposition. I don't anticipate it with a kind of a woe is me or a forlorning type of a situation. We need to anticipate it with excitement and with urgency and to realize that, listen, the very thing he promised, he said he would do, he's going to do. We need to anticipate it. We need to think about it. It needs to be a part of our life. It shouldn't be an addition. It needs to be a very important part of our life. The advent of Christ there, if you're there in Revelation chapter 19, twice in the book of Revelation, we we're told that the doors of heaven were open. Uh, Revelation 4.1 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me and saying, Come up hither, and I will show you things that must first take place. And the first time that the door was open, the church will be received into heaven. And, and the second time when the door is open, you're going to find that the church and Christ is coming back. The first door was open for the rapture, and the second door will be open for the revelation. When Jesus comes the second time, the Bible says that, you remember there in Acts 1, he ascended from Mount, the Mount of Olives. The Bible says that the second time he's come, he'll come back to the exact place. His feet will hit that mount. It'll split in two. Very interesting and exciting things are going to be taking place. The designation of Christ... Uh, Revelation 19, 11, the Bible says now, I, 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 13, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judged and makes war and he had a name when, uh, written that no man knew except him and his name was called the word of God and in this particular portion of scriptures he's called 
by three different names, faithful and true, the word of God, and king of kings. And in these names, we have the entire ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, his eternity past, his incarnation, his sovereignty. We see the description of Christ, who he is. The Bible says his eyes are like a flame of fire. It's interesting that we use that kind of terminology. What he's talking about here is that his eyes, uh, Brother Hardy was talking about omniscient, you know, omniscient. In other words, he knows everything. Are you married to someone like that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the only difference is he really does know everything. You know, that, that's, uh, that's not my if that was my notes, I'd mark it out right now. <laughs> but uh, but uh, to help you understand what that really means, when, he, when the Bible says his eyes are like a flame of fire, what it means is that, that he's omniscient. He knows all things, and that, and that when he talks to you, you cannot help but tell the, the truth. He knows what the truth is. Are you familiar with spinning the truth? Uh, probably not a familiar term, is it? But, uh, but you'll find that that's kind of, you know, what works today. Spain, the truth means this. We, what, will, what can we get by with? What will you accept type situation? That's what's kind of spinning the truth, you know. You know knowing your crowd type thing and say the things that maybe will relate to that. Well, Jesus won't be doing that. The Bible says that when he comes back, his eyes are a flame of fire. I mean, he, he's on this, he knows the truth will be brought forth. The Bible talks about that. He said in his head, were many crowns, and his clothes were robes dipped in blood, and the crown certainly speaks of his sovereignty. He is sovereign. And the robe dipped in blood reminds us that he is the Lamb of God. Revelation 13, 8, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You know, we'll know the Lord as the Lamb of God throughout eternity, and, and uh, we realize the price that he paid for us and how he was slain for us, and in a real sense, what eternity is going to be is kind of like a, a gigantic communion service. You know, I was talking to a Connect class today about communion, and I realized we've taken our communion services and turned them something very quiet and uh, uh, sedate, and, you know, but actually the communion services, really, that's not what they were all about. I mean, they were celebrating. Uh, they were rejoicing. Uh, they were partying, if you will. When it comes to the things of God, I mean, they were so excited and thankful for what God has done. They just wanted to praise his name. They wanted to have a good time. And, you know, it's amazing to me. We get in church. It's almost coming to church. It's almost like a downer. I mean, we come to church, and, you know, we, we don't hardly express anything how we feel. Yet, yet, if we go to any type of sporting event, we're crazy. We paint ourselves up. No, no, I don't paint myself up. I have to admit this because, you know, some confession is good for the soul. When my son was at Clearwater College, there used to be a college in Clearwater, my son was there, he actually painted himself up. Were you purple or maroon? <laughs> but he, he painted himself maroon. Let me tell you something about that. I'm so proud. <laughs> my son painted himself like a grape. Okay, there is a story about a grape. You've seen me later, and I'll tell you that story. But it's not real spiritual. And so, uh, and there's a moral to the story, too. And so, but I'll, I'll get back to it, but not today. But, uh, 
Oh, communion. I can't even roll my tongue. Um, uh, the train has left the station. But, but, uh, but in reality, when we, when we get to heaven, we're, we're going to have a communion service. We're going to be, be re- rejoicing over the blood that was shed and the body that was broken for us and all. And, and you know, rather than, you know, uh, being a, a solemn time, it's going to be an exciting time because we realize what God done for us. I, I don't know about you, but, hey, listen, this thing of knowing Christ, my personal Savior, this ought to be an exciting situation and thrilled about what God's done in our lives. And it ought to be something that, that this is what the world, the world needs Christ. They don't need religion. They need Christ. They they need a life that's changed. That's what he brought about the first time. The first time Jesus came, he came as a sacrifice. The first time he came to, to be that substitution for us, to be that, that, that propitiation, that covering, if you will. That's the reason why he came. He came to give us salvation. He came to offer to us freely. He came to pay the price for us. But this is not what's happening the second time. He's coming back the second time. He's not coming as the Savior. He's coming as a judge. And with him, armies are coming. Revelation chapter 19, there, verse 14, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on the white horse. And who are they going to fight? Well, Jude tells us, verses 14 and 15, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, and also saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly, among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in ungodly ways and in all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. In this short, short verse in Jude, two verses in Jude, we see a couple of things that are very important. First of all, all. Now, what all means in the Greek is this, all. Aren't you glad you came? Wow, you've learned some Greek. You know, that's what all means. All means all. There's no one slipping up. There's, you know, there's the, I heard someone say the wheels of God's justice may grind slow, but they grind exceedingly fine. All. And we see the character of the people that are going to be judged ungodly. He says it four times. These are ungodly people. And this is primarily who indeed is going to be judged. Ungodly. Second Thessalonians talks about this. And he'd give to you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in a flame of fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he cometh in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among them, you was believed. I think it's important to realize that What's getting ready to happen is a horrible thing. You that are, are coming and studying the book of Revelation, you're two or three chapters away from what's getting ready to be some very serious situations. You get out of chapter 2 and 3 when you're dealing with the churches, you get in chapter 4. Things change. And we're getting... We're seeing these things that are getting ready to happen. And God is is sharing these things with us for us to not prepare ourselves for his coming because if you know Christ, your personal Savior, you are prepared. 
but for us to understand how horrible and how awful this is and, and how that, how that this, this is the reason why uh, sunshine, as we look at this next year, we're not looking for ways to pull back. We're looking for ways to, to invest. That's why we're doing our core project. That's why we're going to turn those fields, those five acres into, into soccer fields and, 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 and all kinds of activities where we can bring the community to come to our field because, you see, we want to reach them. And we know it's going to cost us 200000 No, it's going to cost you 200000 Get that straight. <laughs> when we do that, and, and you say, well, mate, what's this all about? We want them to bring their kids here. We want them to know that we're loving. We have another program that's getting ready to start up. We're going to talk to you about it here in a couple of weeks, an area of mentoring and tutoring in our public schools. Uh, we're looking for every way possible. Yes, we feed the homeless. And yes, we do. We go to Neil Armstrong. And, and yes, we're doing all these things. Why? Because, hey, it's horrible what's getting ready to happen. It's horrible. Revelation is horrible. And he's telling us about it. You ever try to get somebody's attention? You ever speak on Sunday morning? <laughs> I look at you, some of you are back there going, Mark? Either Jesus is taking me home or I'm taking a nap. I don't know what it is, but I'm taking off somewhere. You know what revelation is? And it's not revelation. It's revelation. Understand what's being said. That is a difference. I think God is trying to get our attention. I think God is trying to help us to wake up. It's almost like spiritually he's, he's shaking us. This is getting ready to take place. We're at the very precipice of this thing getting ready to happen. And the armies, armies, coming the armies of heaven will be made up of saints and angels and it's the strange thing about this army that we find here in the book of revelation is this army will not be fighting the role of the army john tells us is for the saints and angels will be bringing glory to the lord and to marham at that moment the battle is the lord the battle belongs to God. Now here it is, guys. Two things. Next week we're going to give you a lot of stuff that I believe will be very beneficial, but I felt this is a good time to kind of wrap the part of this message up because of the kind of Holy Spirit talked to me about this. And here's one of the questions that I had to deal with. Number one, are you in the army? Are you in the army? Just because your dad is a Marine doesn't make you a Marine. Just because your parents went to church doesn't make you a Christian. Like my dad was a baker, it makes me a loaf of bread. <laughs> they don't equate. So that's my question. First of all, are you in the army? I believe it's a criminal act to, act like to wear the, 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 the uh, suit and the clothes of a military personnel when you're not military. That's criminal. It's also very criminal for you to call yourself a Christian when you're not. Christian means Christ follower. I'm reading a book called Not a Fan. 
And in that book, it talks about, are you a, there's a lot of people that are fans of Jesus. They're into, they're into the game, the activity. Surely, when it comes down to following Jesus, it's not happening. How do you know that? Look at their life. I can tell you exactly what you believe. Look how you behave. You behave like what you believe. My question to you this morning is, are you in the army? Will you be here when this takes place? Or will you be who they're going to see? I'm going to tell you right now, if there's a question in your mind about that, you need to take care of it. You need to make sure that heaven's your home. Are you in the army? The second question is this. If you are, what kind of soldier are you? If you are. It's like I heard someone say one time, if you were, if you were charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would the case be dismissed out of lack of evidence? And so my question, second question to you this morning is that if you are, what kind of soldier are you? You know, I think it's about time we understand that uh, if you're in the army, there's some things that are expected of you. And, and uh, you know, you that have been in the service realize that everything, they have a thing called boot camping. They go, you go to that place because they want to get you on the right track, build the right foundation so you can be what you need to be. Maybe this morning what you need to do is come say, you know, I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior. The man my life not what it should be and what I've been doing with that reverend. I just been, you know, that's the way Christians are. Well, that's not the way Christ's followers are. That's the way some religious people may be. And I'm not, so, I'm not concerned about your religion or your pedigree or what you name yourself or what you'd like to be called. I'm real concerned about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what matters. Are you a soldier? And if you are, what kind of soldier are you? And if you're not what you should be, what is it going to take to get you woke up? What will God have to do to shake your nest and to get you out of that thing and get you straightened out? Yeah, I am done. But God's not. I am done. I folded my Bible up. Doesn't that mean the preachers are done? Not normally. But I want you to understand, God's not done. That tugging at your heart, that's Holy Spirit. If you're not a soldier, that's the Holy Spirit saying, why don't you take care of that today? Why don't we make sure about, why don't we go ahead and join up? Just get this thing taken care of. You may be here and you know Christ is your Savior. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you die right now, heaven will be your home. But you know you're not what you should be. You know. Your time, you have time for everything but God. Your time is so taken up with all this world's activities. And, and you know what you generally say when people start talking to you like that? Well, after all, Reverend, you know it's hard out there. Yeah, I got that. Let me tell you a little secret. It's always been hard out there. It just, did, it just didn't get hard when you were born and grew. It's always been hard. It's always been a choice. You've got to make a choice. He puts it this way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things that you think are so important and so needful and can't do without you will be added unto you. The reason why you're dealing with sub-level inferior product is because you're producing it. 
Why don't you let God add it? I think he could do a better job. So there's a choice. Are you in the army? Yes or no? And if you are, what kind of soldier are you? If you're not what you should be, sure you can walk out of here. But believe me, the opportunity. And the Bible said, my spirit will not always strive with me. You're not going to treat God like I'll get right with God when I want to. You better wake up. That ain't going to happen. You have an opportunity. He's come as the Lamb of God. He's coming as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Your choice.